Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning, everybody. Another windy day. I tell you what, the. It has been just something with this wind. Fortunately, we've had some wildfires, so everybody be careful. Fortunately, we haven't had too many major ones, but there has been some destruction. So please just be extremely careful. We're going to talk a lot of fishing today, and there's a lot of opportunities out there. But because of the weather, they may not be exactly the opportunity you think they are. So we're going to touch on that a little bit during the show. But we're going to try to bring you up to date on a lot of opportunities that are going on. And, you know, things are changing just with our seasonal normal climate changes to this time of the year. So you've got to be able to make adjustments and know what the fish are doing and understand that. So we're going to talk a lot about different types of fishing today. Also, 11 Mile uh, has announced that they'll be opening at least one ramp on April 30th. They'll open this more, another ramp when they get more personnel for the ANS inspections. In fact, that's been an issue throughout the state is having enough ANS inspectors to open all the ramps. We'll keep you on top of that, too. And then Spinning Mountain, which everybody always anticipates, is going to open 5-7. We'll talk about both trout from shore, conventional, some fly fishing. We're going to talk about uh, the eastern plains lakes later on and the warm water species. So we got a lot to cover. But let's go to the phones and let's start up in the mountains and talk some fly fishing as we are. Um, we're joined by Andrew Peterson from the Colorado Angler. Good morning, Andrew. Morning, Terry. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, it's cooled down today. It, uh, it was it was in the high 80s or mid 80s at my house yesterday. And today it's going to be like mid 50s. But that wind is still blowing. What are you guys seeing up there? Oh, man, I wish it was 50s up here. I got two inches of snow in my yard. It's, uh, it's well, snowing, and, uh, and, uh, but we've had that wind. That's been the biggest impact, uh, the wind and heat this week. Um, it's, uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I guess sailors would like it, but I don't really know many people that enjoy being outside in the wind. Fishermen. You know, I was talking to somebody uh last week about walleye fishing and everybody talks about a walleye chop and i told them the next person that tells me that i'm going to punch them i'm so tired of the wind and fighting it and the same with fly fishing you know i've had some fly anglers that have tried to tell me that oh the wind can be your friend well it can if you're facing exactly the right way and and everything's but 90 percent of the time it's difficult to make a good cast in these really horrendous winds isn't it yeah, I mean, particularly if you're floating, because it doesn't just impact the angler. You know, it impacts the the navigation of the boat and everything. But yeah, if you're if you're wave fishing and you can post up somewhere in the river with the with a wind at your back or a favorable upstream wind, it makes for a water loaded cast. Don't even bother trying to make a back cast in it, but try to use a water loaded kind of sling cast, if you will. Um, and then sometimes, you know, it can help your mend in that situation. But a lot of times, if it helps your cast, it really makes the mend a little bit tougher because you're trying to mend into that wind or whatever. So, but uh, it can be done. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, people ask me when's the best time to fish, and I always tell them anytime you can. Let's start out before we get into some of the particulars. 
what is it, the snowpack looking up in your drainages? And do you anticipate it starting to get heavy runoff pretty soon? Now you're getting more snow. That might affect things, too. Yeah, um, you know, and no pun intended, but at this time of the year, it's a really fluid situation. It changes kind of almost by the day. So first and foremost, snowpack in the central mountains here is looking decent. I think, I mean, and I say decent, like it's in the green, we'll say, the snow tell site. Um, so the upper Colorado in particular is in the 90 to 93 kind of range there. Um, on the first of the month, or I don't think it was the first, I think it was uh, 10 days ago, I think, was what's considered the average peak snowpack of the year. And we were kind of right at a historic median for that time. Um, now, the wind is not helping uh, because that'll evaporate some of that that won't even make it into the drain, into the into the river basin. But, um, but you know, here in the Central Mountains, not so bad. I think maybe lower on the arc, they might have a little bit lower situation. The Rio Grande might have a little bit lower. But I'm feeling pretty good about where we're at now. If nothing else, we're, we're in better shape than the last couple of years where we had really warm early spring, okay? Um, and, yeah, we're snowing right now. Um, I looked at the webcams this morning. Up at Copper, they had five still snowing. They're, they're predicted to get 9 to 12 at higher elevations out of this, which will be great. Um, and if nothing else, what I always say is even if we only get a dusting, anytime it snows, means it's cold enough that the snowpack's not dwindling, and so that's getting us further into the spring to our traditional um, kind of runoff melt, so it doesn't melt too early. Um, yeah. It, it happened the last couple of years. I mean, June was fantastic the last couple of years, um, but as we got toward mid to the end of July, then we started to see some water temp issues. So anything we can do to keep that runoff closer to a historic average. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, and speaking of runoff, uh, you know, a lot of times we'll get to some times when the rivers just virtually blow out. It's not that they're unfishable. It's just difficult to fish them when they're like that. But it does change things. Where are we at now? From what you're saying, we haven't seen the major runout yet, runoff yet, but you're probably seeing flows into the streams that are affecting them. Is that right? Yeah, we're we're kind of at that, that um, kind of pre-runoff, um, you know, step up, if you will. Um, so what we're seeing is we're seeing a little bit of clarity degradation in some areas to a lot of clarity degradation in other areas, but the volumes aren't like crazy. And so what that's from is just the lower elevation snow that melts will carry with it a little bit more sediment and dirt because as it's melting, it's running across, you know, just the ground and into the river um, versus your high elevation snowpack brings volume, but usually it gets into a kind of a drainage channel, if you will, a, a, um, a drainage, a creek bed quickly, right? And then it runs all the way down into the main river stem. Um, so uh, flows this week on the Colorado, you know, out of crumbling are right around, you know, in that 800 range um, below where the blue dumps in. Um, and clarity has taken a hit. Like I would say, um, if you look at, um, yesterday we had boats anywhere from pump house down to state bridge and the guys further up did well we had some weight fishermen um out there as well uh, but as you got further down the act the clarity 
fell apart. And I mean, there might have been, you know, eight or 10 inches max at State Bridge. Um, so, but um, with that in mind, you know, step up, throw some bigger bugs. Um, you know, this time of year with the leading up to the salmon fly hatch anyway, um, you know, your big stonefly nymphs offer a, a great big um, kind of um, target out there. And, and uh, a lot of those stonefly nymphs are starting to get active as they'll, they'll start to make their way to the bank here in a couple weeks yet. But, uh, uh, but it gives a big profile in dirty water for the fish to see. So your Kaufman stones, your Pat's rubber legs, that kind of stuff, um, you know, and some mid to larger size beaded um, searching nymphs, pheasant tails, princes, um, you know, that kind of stuff, hares ears, they've been working. Um, haven't seen a tremendous amount of betas just yet there, the way the water temp's kind of been up and down, but uh, betas nymphs have been working, just haven't seen the real big hatches of spring that far up. Um, you know, I like to throw a lot of streamers when the water gets like this, but I, I, what do you? I, this is. I have a question for you. A lot of anglers, I think, shy away from streamers because you tend to have to bring the streamer to life instead of just letting it drift and let it get into the like you would fish another bug. And I think they're hesitant in visualizing how that streamer is reacting and the fact that you can work it through the current. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I think I think a lot of a lot of anglers. Um, you know, it's it's funny. I think the streamer. The streamer culture, if you will, has really taken off in the last seven, eight, nine years, and particularly with a lot of the, you know, the younger crowd, um, you know, and some of that's being fueled by social media and that. But um, streamer fishing is, um, it's a little bit more work. Um, understanding what you're trying to do with the fly, for one, like are you imitating a leech that's drifting or doing a s slow crawl? Or are you imitating a, a smaller fish that's fleeing a, a larger fish? So they, they do take a little bit more work. You, typically, they're a little heavier or higher-profile bugs, so they, they take a little bit more patience and effort on the cast. Um, some people tend to bounce them off their, the back of their head when they're getting used to throwing them, right? But, yeah. Um, well, yeah. They take a little more work, but they can be productive, um, and, um, and, and they're a really, a really exciting way to fish because it is a, it's a pretty dramatic strike versus when you're dead drift in a size 20, you know, betas nymph and your indicator might just hesitate a little bit. So, um, they, they take, they take a little more effort and a different mindset, but they are extremely productive, uh, particularly at this time of the year. Um, you got a couple things going on that, you know, make them a good option. One, dirty water. So sometimes, um, fishing a, a fly under retrieve where you've got the vibration and the disturbance in the water can attract a trout. Um, but also, particularly on the Colorado, we're in we're right on the leading edge of the sculpin spawn, and so sculpin are uh, really well distributed and prevalent in the Upper Colorado Basin, and they're a huge food source, particularly for your larger trout. And um, and so right now that the sculpin are starting to to spawn, which they'll do among the rocks, you know, just closer to the edge of the water or the edge of the river. And, um, and so sculpin patterns, I mean, there's a ton of them out there, right? But sculpin patterns uh, on the banks can work really well, um, in a, you know, in addition to your normal streamers that would imitate small browns, small rainbows, crayfish, whatever. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I agree completely. Andrew, we're going we're gonna to run out of time, and I want to get to a couple more things with you. Uh, okay. We kind of talked in generalities about the Colorado. Let's take about just a few seconds each and talk about some of the other rivers real quick, like the Eagle and the Arkansas. What do you see there? And then I want to talk about your operation up there. Sure. Uh, the Eagle uh, is always a good uh, late winter, early spring option. We saw some good action over there. Clarity's on the drop, particularly below Milk and Alkali Creek, which is in Walcott. So downstream from there, a lot of days it's running the consistency of wet cement. Above there, it's been it's been better. Um, but yet the last couple days with the heat we've had, we've seen that initial step up, which is brought clarity down um, above Walcott in the, well, yesterday it was about eight inches in the morning, and then again in the afternoon it got up to about 14, 15 inches. So that'll be an ebb and a flow every day. The mornings will be dirtier than the afternoon there. So there's some opportunity there, but um, with the lower river being dirty, it's going to push all that traffic upstream, so it may be kind of kind of crowded. The Arkansas still continues to be one of the best destinations for stream conditions and hatches. You've got a really great blue-winged olive hatch that's coming off down there uh, on the cloudy days. The caddis are moving up. They're kind of in the lower reaches of Bighorn Sheep Canyon, you know, so like down, you know, even down like Texas Creek and lower, okay? But uh, but the betas, in, in fact, with the way the weather's looking, I'm headed over there as soon as we get off the phone. I'm going to go down, uh, you know, Salida area you know, upstream, downstream from there and try to find some uh, dry fly action in the afternoon. Um, and that'll be later in the day. So it takes a little bit for those to get going. So I would say, you know, it's not like right now. I would say I'm looking at it to be like kind of a um, two o'clock, give or take an hour or two for it to really um, kick off, you know, and be kind of hitting its, its stride. So All right. We're going to run out of time. So we're, tell us real quick. Where are you located? Talk about the shop and what you offer. Okay, we're in Silverthorne here just off the highway. We're on the south side of the interstate. So when you get off the highway, um, just if you're coming from Denver, just turn left. We're up at the second. There's two quick stoplights. We're up at the second one on your right. Um, we have full-service shop here, uh, 1,800 different bins of flies. Got a full-service um, guide operation offering floats and weights throughout the center part of the state. Colorado, Arkansas, Eagle, um, all that. When the green drakes come off, we love to go to the Roaring Fork. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, just everything you need for a day on the water. And um, our, our focus here is really on attentive customer service. Um, we, we really like to give people good information and get them going in the right direction so they have a successful day on the water. And how do people contact you? Uh, you can give us a call at 970-513-8055. You can check us out at thecoloradoangler.com. Um, you can email me, andrew at thecoloradoangler.com. Um, but, yeah, we're easy to find and um, really looking to give you good information, particularly at this time of the year because things change day to day. It can be fantastic conditions today. And the next day, that same river may be out, and you want a, a better option, and we'll hopefully get you steered in that direction. Um, Andrew, you're always a tremendous resource for information on the rivers up in your area. Thanks for joining us today, and hopefully a lot of people will take advantage of your services. And uh, wait, They need to get out now. I mean, it's, we're going to get some drastic changes, but there's gonna, still going to be some great fishing. Thanks for joining us.
All right, Terry, have a great day. You bet. Andrew Peterson from the uh, Colorado Angler. Check them out. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to change things up. We're going to take you out east and go warm water fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones because I want to spend a good amount of time on this topic. And joining us is a biologist from Colorado Parks and uh, wildlife is Mandy Brandt. Good morning, Mandy. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing good. You know, I, I, I complain about the heat and then I complain about when it gets cold, but I'm consistent that I complain about the wind. So I think that's okay. <laughs> yes. And it has indeed been windy for about three weeks straight. Oh, and out where you're at, out in the Northeast, you guys have really had the wind gust and it, it, it probably doesn't affect your fisheries too much, but it certainly affects the fishermen, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It's hard for them to get on when the waves are five and six foot tall. Yeah, it certainly is. Now, you're the you manage a set of lakes out uh, out in the northeast, and we're going to talk about. And you know, I think a lot of people move to Colorado thinking mountains and trout, but we're really a multi-level, multi-species angling state. Uh, we have great warm water fishing in this state too, and the lakes you're going to talk about really highlight that, don't they? Yeah. So let's start out. Let's go through some of the lakes. Jackson Lake is probably the closest of the ones you manage to uh, the front range. And it's it's a big lake. It's known for a huge sandy beach. It's got a great camping area. Uh, I don't know that it gets recognized for the fishery that it is. Tell us what's going on at Jackson Reservoir. Sure. Uh, this spring and early summer, and before I go into you know, exactly what's happening at each of these lakes. It's probably important to remind anglers that, you know, the large reservoirs out here were built as large irrigation reservoirs. So that's their primary duty is to hold irrigation water for the local agriculture. But we get to use those as sport fisheries on a secondary basis. And so those reservoirs are drawn down throughout the season. So it's important to remember to try to fish early before those reservoirs get down too far where you can't launch a boat or before they get really hot. Um, that said, yeah, starting with Jackson, it's probably close to the front range. Um, there should be some good walleye and sawgye fishing as well as some wiper fishing. Um, you know, along with Pruitt and North Sterling, Jackson's one of the reservoirs in the Northeast that, um, is offering some wiper fishing. We have year classes um, from 2014 to 2017. We were stocking those with wiper. Should be really uh, great wiper fishing at Jackson this year. It was last year, should be again. And again, good walleye and sawgye fishing. And as as well, um, we've started to build the yellow perch population back in Jackson. You know, prior to the 1980s, um, it was a really popular place to go perch fishing. And then uh, wiper were accidentally overstocked, and they just really took a toll on the yellow perch. But since then, we've been moving yellow perch from the west slope um, and putting those in Jackson. So we're starting to see some of those returns during our sampling, and anglers are starting to catch a few of those as well. They're yellow perch, uh, if you get into them, especially in the winter, if you're going through the ice, but even in a boat in the summer, um, they're so tasty, those little fish, and keep a nice amount of them. And once they do get established, they can be prolific. They're great pan fish. Um, what about the size of the walleyes and wipers at Jackson? Are you looking at some pretty good keeper fish? 
Yeah. Uh, so at Jackson, uh, there is a minimum size limit on walleye and sawgai of 15 inches, but we should have plenty of fish in that um, in that size class and well beyond that. Um, walleye and sawgai have been stocked in every year except for in 2020 with the with the um, COVID pandemic. But otherwise, all year classes are present, and there should be plenty of catchable size fish. And would you, you mentioned because of water levels and the heat to get out there early. Um, is there, are those fish, I'm sure they're done spawning in those lakes. Is that right? Or for the most part anyway? Yeah, for the most part, all the spawning is done. So we're hitting the post spawn and the walleye fishing should pick up here. Um, especially I'd say beginning to probably third week of May is a really good time to try to go out and get some walleye and sawgai fishing in. All right, now let's move on. Um, oh, by the way, there's crappies in Jackson too, right? Yes, there are crappie, and they can be a little bit harder to find, of course, but um, what I would suggest for anglers is to try to focus on when the inlet is running, and the inlet, you know, when it's running is dependent upon the irrigation company and when they're running water in there, but you can look that up, that information on Divisional Water Resources website, and it'll let you know when that inlet is running, and if they can focus on that time and fish in that inlet, they should do well for crappie. Now, the next one I have on my list is Pruitt. What's going on there? Yeah, Pruitt. We were pretty surprised last fall when we did our annual fall sampling. Um, Pruitt, in terms of all the large four reservoirs out here, Pruitt had the highest numbers of walleye and sawgai. And, you know, in the past, Pruitt has had a very, very large gizzard shad population, and gizzard shad are the primary prey base in the lakes out here. And because of that very large gizzard shad population, I think it was harder for anglers to catch fish. But we finally got um, enough walleye and sawgai and wiper in there to start knocking down that gizzard shad population, and that's going to help the anglers, both high numbers of predators and lower numbers of the, that forage base. Um, hopefully the, the fishing bite will be better this year. And is the size uh, for the walleyes and sawgais pretty similar to Jackson there? Yes. Yep. We're looking at the same same size classes. Um, and then wiper, we're looking at the same size classes there because they were all stocked in those same years. And those wipers are, what, in the 15 to 20 inch range now? Yeah, primarily. And then you're, there are a few um, large remaining um, wipers from from before that are, you know, upwards of that 28, 30 inch range. And then how about one that gets probably we hear the most about is North Sterling. What's going on there? Sure. Uh, North Sterling should be great um, for your walleye and sawgai fishing, just like Jackson and Pruitt. However, what I'd like to really highlight at North Sterling as well is black crappie fishing. It's been great for the past three to four years, and I expect it to be great again. Um, plenty of fish and plenty to catch and keep. You know, there's a 10-inch minimum size limit there. Um, you should be able to keep some fish if you go to North Sterling. And good spots to focus on those would be, you know, around that south boat ramp area. There's a little cove there by the boat ramp that anglers can try out, as well as up in what we call Cunningham Arm, which is kind of the more south arm of that reservoir. If you focus on the north shore of that arm, that should be great crappie fishing. And one of the reasons those crappies are doing so well is a management decision that was made by Parks and Wildlife, and that was to cut back on the wipers to give the crappies a chance to flourish, and it looks like it's really paid off. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, I became the biologist in 2010 out here and just wanted to try to vary things up a little bit. Um, the wiper management was pretty heavy before, heavy handed on that and just tried to cut back a little bit. We're still offering wiper fishing opportunities by, by cutting back those numbers on the wiper. We're starting to see, you know, some of our pan fisheries like yellow and yellow perch and crappie really increase. The last one I want to ask you about as far as the lakes is Jumbo. Uh, that actually was almost in a recovery phase just not that long ago. Has that been able to bounce back? Did those fish remain in there? What happened at Jumbo? Sure. So back in all the way back in 2012, um, we had to drain the reservoir down. Um, the irrigation company that thought that they might drain it all. So we'd put a public salvage on then, and luckily they didn't drain it, and some of those fish survived. You know, it got down to about four foot maximum depth, but they were able to run the inlet and the outlet at the same time and offer fresh water for those fish. And so those fish survived and then we started rebuilding from where we were at and then again in 2019 the irrigation company let us know that they might need to drain the reservoir so we put on a public fish salvage Um, however by the time we knew that we needed to put the public fish salvage on the reservoir was so low that guys really couldn't launch their boats so most of the fish that were being harvested were smaller smallmouth bass and bluegill um, and a few channel catfish. But luckily, uh, the reservoir company didn't need to drain the lake all the way. Again, it only went down to about four foot maximum depth. And, you know, we tried to put our boats on there, um, Colorado Parks and Wildlife boats. We salvaged some fish and moved them to North Sterling Reservoir. But there might be a little bit of a misnomer out there that we removed all the fish from Jumbo or that all the fish died and and those fish that we removed we all we put all of them in north sterling but that's that's not really the truth there's plenty of fish in jumbo we were only able to move a few hundred to north sterling including somewhere around the neighborhood of only 30 walleye and sawgai to, to north sterling so most of those fish that were in jumbo are still in there and since then we've of course been stocking the best we can outside of that year in 2020 where we weren't able to with with covid but the reservoir is doing great um in terms of you know numbers of walleye and sawgai it's number two when we're talking you know the four reservoirs out here with Pruitt being number one so there's certainly a great fishery still in jumbo and it should be excellent fishing this summer That sounds fantastic. Mandy, we are out of time, but this is tremendous information. You're welcome to come on and update us at any time, and maybe we'll get you on again soon, and we'll go in a little more depth on some of the individual reservoirs. Okay. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thanks for having me and everything you do for our angling public and for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Well, thank you for coming on and managing those reservoirs and offering the opportunities you do, Mandy. Thanks a lot. Thank you. You bet. Mandy Brandt. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. We're going to go back to Parks and Wildlife, and we're going to talk about some clinics, some information, and ways that we can help you get out fishing and hunting on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Jack's has locations up and down the Front Range. Lafayette, Broomfield, Loveland, Fort Collins, and even in Cheyenne. If you're an outdoor enthusiast and haven't used or stopped by a Jack store, do yourself a favor and check them out. Let's go to the phones, and I hope patiently waiting for us is Brian Posthumus. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? 
Doing great. Sorry you had to unhold a little bit, but Mandy just had some great information. I wanted to make sure we got it in there, but thank you for waiting. You know, we went through a, uh, a surge of new anglers and people getting out and people returning to the outdoors during COVID. And it seems to be leveling off a little bit, but at a higher level than it used to be. Um, but that being said, Parks and Wildlife likes to not only create the opportunities for people to fish and hunt, but they want to help them be successful. And finally, with COVID seeming to be at least controlled or on the downswing, you guys are able to go back to like face-to-face clinics and a lot of your activities. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. We uh, we slowed down a little bit on some of our seminars and clinics, uh, mentored hunts, but we're we're hoping to open a bunch more up. We're, we're still just kind of in the beginning of, of opening more clinics, um, more seminars, and uh, we'll be posting a lot more on our website as we uh, get into the spring and summer here. And I don't think people understand the tremendous resources, both in person and online, that you offer. One that caught my eye that's kind of representative is your, your novice pheasant hunter one that's coming up. Tell me about that. Yeah, that's a really neat program for uh, for new hunters. This is a program that's run out of the Northeast region. Uh, my coworker Pepper is running it. I, uh, I I have run it in past years as well. It's a great opportunity for new hunters to to get out hunting without having to spend a lot of money. Um, pheasant hunting. There, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of walking access properties. In uh, in years when we don't have a drought, usually the habitat is is quite quite good, and, and we have some great hunting opportunities in Colorado. And uh, so this novice pheasant hunter, it, it, it's a class where um, we're, we're focusing on um, adults or youth, twelve years and older. They have to have completed hunter ed within the last three years, so a, a new hunter, and they have to attend three different activities. Those activities will include a May nineteen webinar. Um, a November 10 in-person seminar, and then then the, the participants they get to choose between um, May uh, let's see May 21 will be a half day field day and wing shoot at Wellington, or they can choose a June 5 half day field day um, and wing shoot at Bar Lake State Park. So we've got spots open right now on our website if um, if people want to register. Uh, I, I encourage, you know, even if, if some of your listeners are hunters right now, they should be thinking about, you know, are, do they have friends that they want to sometime get out hunting, um, family, coworkers, um, they should let them know about this program and get them signed up. It, it's a great way to get started hunting. Um, it, it's, like I say, it, it, it's easy. There's a lot of action and, uh, and it's free as well. Uh, the free part is just amazing. I was going to tease you and ask you what the exorbitant cost was, but you had already <laughs> told me earlier that it was free. That's incredible. Get out and get people used to. And I think Upland Game, to me, the um, doves and Upland Game are the two best ways to start people hunting, although doves are also the most frustrating way. But <laughs> but, but but they really can break you into the And there's a camaraderie involved that you can do it together, which is really awesome. You're also doing, I want to highlight a few other programs. And one is you have a, a thing coming up in Meeker called Cast, Blast, and Twang. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be on June 18. Um, it'll it'll involve a dinner, but um, even even better than that, there's going to be some shooting, some archery, some fishing. It, it's meant as kind of a family get-together um, 
just to, to get people together, get outdoors, um, kind of um, try the, the hunting and fishing, um, you know, just, just practicing with some of the shooting sports. So, yeah, that'll be in Meeker on June 18. Um, I wanted to uh, just share to the to your listeners if they want to sign up for some of these programs. We've got a couple of places they can sign up. Um, on our website, which is um, just cpw.state.co.us, on the very top of the page, there's um, it's almost hidden. It's right at the very top center of the page. There's a link called Calendar. If they open that calendar up, and scroll down, they've got a couple of options to sign up for hunter education classes, boating safety courses, or clinics and seminars. And and when we post a clinic or seminar, quite often it'll be right there on that, that clinic and seminar link. Um, there's also something that if people want to do, there is a calendar of all sorts of different stuff across the state in the state parks and um, some of the state wildlife areas. It'll, uh, there, there's a way to filter some events. And if, if people are interested in fishing, um, you know, if they're, they're kind of getting excited and listening to, to Brandy talk about all the warm water fishing, um, there are some programs posted on our, um, calendar page as well. And, and there's a way to filter the events, select for fishing. And there's, uh, there's several, um, several events right now, um, starting April. Well, it looks like April 23 today and um, posted all the way up to August 17 at the moment. We're going to post some more on there as well as we as we open more up. That's so awesome that you can get people out because a lot of people started to go fishing, or but they really don't aren't sure what they're doing, and they get a little frustrated where just a little bit of advice and training can get them on the path to success and really enjoying the outdoors. I want to move on to some of the other resources you have on the website, but real quick before we do that, we don't have time to get in depth today, but you also have a couple of uh, programs called Take a Friend Fishing and Take a Friend Hunting. Give us just the Reader's Digest version of those. Yeah, basically what we're trying to do is encourage um, knowledgeable anglers, knowledgeable hunters to invite someone who's new to fishing or new to hunting, invite them out with them. Um, they they basically take a take a photo there's a submission um and and they get enrolled for a contest there's some incredible prizes um the fishing contest is open right now some of the prizes are guided fishing trips awesome cooler packages some really nice um rod combos including fly rods and um and reels ice fishing gear um the take it for a hunting contest that opens in august but if people want to um, maybe take a friend out turkey hunting this spring, they can still take a photo and submit that when we open it in August. Um, people can find the rules um, and, and submit if they just get, again, get onto our website. In our search engine, they just have to type in take a friend fishing or take a friend hunting. Now, last thing before I let you go, and we'll have to keep it brief, but there are so many articles and videos on parks and wildlife website that can really help people kind of share some of that with us. Yeah, we've got some really great hunting related ones. Um, there's some fishing ones in there too, as well that, that should help people out. Um, there's a learn to hunt webinar playlist we did from a couple of years ago. We have a big game hunting series with Nate Zielinski. I, I know you and Nate are, are good friends and I, I hear him on the radio all the time. Um, we've got a playlist as well of all of the, the district wildlife managers or the game wardens across the 
State, um, we videotaped them describing their districts, um, including the, the game management units. So for folks that are hunting a new area or they're new to hunting, they may want to um, kind of uh, listen into those those DWMs, district wildlife managers, kind of describe a little bit about the access and some of the the patterns of wildlife movement um, in their district. They're, they're pretty familiar with it. It's a great way to start to get to know a new area. Um, we've got Elk Hunting University, Turkey School, that's on our Hunter Outreach page. Um, we've got all sorts of, of information. In fact, we've got some applications open right now for youth, women afield, and novice adult mentored hunts coming this fall and um, winter. So we've got a lot of all ways right. for, for people to learn how to hunt and fish. All right, my friend, as always, great information. We are out of time, but we'll get you on again soon, and we'll highlight some more of these. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Terry. Have a great day. You bet. That's Brian from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. Brad Peterson is going to join us, and we're going to go back to our other segment about these lakes out east, and Brad's going to help tell us how to fish them on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Got you down and the world's crashing all around. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 1043 The Fan. Count on me, that song that let us in is uh, one of by Wickstrom and Dobrit, uh, streaming on all your favorite uh, services, or you can follow us on social media at Wickstrom and Dobrit. Let's go to the phones, though, right now. And joining us, he's a regular contributor, Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. How you doing today? You know, it's windy, still windy. Now, I, I got to admit, we're going to have to have kind of a short segment because I let Mandy run a little long, but I thought that was great information. Were you listening? I was. That, that is great information, and, and you're right. It is It is windy, and uh, some people might say it's just a perfect all I talk. Yeah, well, I, I like it a little less than this, if it's all the same. But what I thought I'd do, Brad, is I know you guide and fish all those northeast reservoirs in addition to some other places, of course. And other than um, North Sterling, which is probably has a little more structure, more river channel, more dam and riprap, uh, Pruitt, Jumbo, and Jackson, some anglers, even though there's a great population of fish, some anglers have a tough time because of these bowl-shaped lakes either locating or making a presentation. And I thought maybe you could tell us how you approach those lakes. Yeah, Terry, it can be, you know, if, if you come from the Midwest or if you fished a lot of the lakes with, with a lot more structure, those those lakes can be intimidating. But the one thing that they've got going for them, as Manny was talking, they're, they're irrigation reservoirs. So they go up and down, and, and the water level fluctuates. In. And over the next, you know, a lot of them are full right now or in the process of filling. But once they get full, you've got a lot of flooded either um, – you know, some riprap along the shoreline, some uh, weeds, or actually flooded trees. So there's a lot of cover in those shallower water areas. So for the next month to six weeks, I would tell people that are going to go out there and target the walleyes to go out there and target that shallow cover. And you're going to almost fish them a little bit more like bass in that you're going to be casting and more of a steady retrieve of whether it's it's a jig and a twister or a jig and a paddle tail or a crankbait, something like that. But a lo- 
those the bait fish move in there because that's the cover. That's the area they're going to spawn in, and the predators just follow right behind them. And and there's there's two other forms of cover that happen out there. One is after a day like today, you're going to have mud lines, and and mud lines are a fantastic spot to fish. But they, you know, they change depending on the weather conditions. And the other one that Mandy talked about and happens on all those lakes out there is the inlet. If the water's flowing in, that concentrates a lot of the fish. And we get water flowing in now. And then again, as the runoff starts here, mid to late May, you'll see a lot of those inlets start running again for anywhere from a week to three weeks. And those areas really concentrate the fish. So what I'm getting from you on these, uh, most of these lakes anyway, for the most part, is um, you got water running in or you've got high water pushing them in, chasing the bait fish that are spawning. I would assume that later on in the year, it changes, that water drops, the bait probably become very pelagic. But before we even get to that, is North Sterling different than the other three? North Sterling... That same applies, but North Sterling also has a lot of deeper cover, whether it's islands or humps and points and rocks seams. So there are fish that will stay out deeper a lot longer in the, uh, you know, throughout the entire year. Whereas in those other lakes, it seems like the majority of the fish move up shallow. There is that same push at Sterling. But I think they're they're a little bit more spread out at Sterling throughout the year. Now, do you have to switch to more of a trolling, covering open water once you get, say, into late June? That's um, outside of Sterling where it still has some of that deep cover that will concentrate those fish. Jackson, um, Pruitt, and Jumbo. It's Jumbo does have one big hump out in the middle. And a lot of fish will start to get congregated around there. But otherwise, you know, whether it's pulling live baits, you know, bottom bouncers and spinner rigs, or just trolling crankbaits, those are going to be your most effective patterns to kind of cover water and find where those schools of fish and where the bait is located. Like you say, after about that that Father's Day time frame. Okay. Last thing, I want to take a couple minutes while we got it. And I know you've been fishing Boyd. What's going on there? Boyd is, is starting to really turn on. The uh, the lake is low. It's about 14 and a half feet lower than full pool. and uh, But the water's just really finally starting to warm up. Monday, it was 44 degrees in the morning. And yesterday morning was the first time that I saw 50 degrees in the morning. So we're kind of hitting that, that magic 50-degree temperature for the warm water fish. And you're starting to see the white bass and the walleyes uh, get pretty active, along with the uh, guys are getting into the largemouth and smallmouth bass. But then they've stocked some trout in there, and there's some good holdover trout. So there is, you know, the opportunity to get into good numbers and and trout up to that 18-inch range. So I would say, you know, Boyd's kind of sitting here right at the peak and and should be fishing good here for the next... uh, Probably through it through the end of May for sure. All right, Brad. If people want more information, how do they find you? You can look me up on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors, or shoot me a text. I've got a new text line. I'm going to be doing uh, fishing tips and updates at nine seven zero four six five two two seven eight. All right, give that number again. 
970-465-2278. All right, my friend, you and I need, as soon as this wind dies down, I don't need a five-foot walleye chop. You and I will get on the water. All right, sounds good, Terry. All right, thanks, Brad. Brad Peterson, always a great resource. Uh, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to join up with Nate Zielinski. If anybody can catch a fish in this wind, it's going to be Nate. We'll talk to him, and we have so much more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.